Hey, y'all. This is Monica. I was recently on AM Wake Up with Steve Poikinen and Tease Snyder and the whole gang. We had a great time. It was so rapid fire. I must have had like three espressos that morning because we just went deep and wide and just my mind was on fire as was theirs. And it was great. So uh, again, like I try to do with these appearances I make on other people's shows, I just try to give you the highlights and then direct you to their shows so that you can listen to them in full and get to know their their format and their show. So that's AM Wake Up. I always watch it on Rockfin and I think you can probably get it free there. In any case, you can also get it on your favorite podcasting platform. Very pleased to have Monica back on the show. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm great. I've been listening to the show. So, Monica, you were listening to the show. What's your thoughts on like the state of the alternative media and what we can do to actually try and get through to people on this level of reality without scaring the ever-loving shit out of everybody? Well, I have a couple of things. So, first of all, the alt-media, if it weren't already obvious, is totally infiltrated. And I actually even remember 10 years ago. So. I, I just remember where I was and like where I used to take walks at the time. So I know it was 10 years ago or close to that. I was listening to Corbett and uh, Pilato and James Evan Pilato. And I loved them back then. And I remember like thinking, and they maybe even were talking about it, like, how do we know about all this stuff? Like we are allowed to know about these conspiracies. They're true but we're definitely allowed to know about them. So I knew I kind of had a feeling back then that this thing was definitely going to be controlled. And now when I see so much proliferation that like a few things are red flags to me, like Trump, so you guys were talking about, or Steve was talking about Trump supporters, like that's a way to divert like Ron Paul supporters, which may also have been, you know, a psyop. And then you've got, like uh, the white Christian nationalism thing that's coming up. I don't know if you heard me say this. I, I was talking, I think, to Courtney Turner recently, and there's this thing called Catholic integralism, which is like making the church and state kind of back together again. And the guy who's leading the charge is a guy named Adrian Vermeule. Have you ever heard that name before? You've, you've probably never heard it because I don't even know how it's pronounced, but I've seen it many times because he was the co-author with Cass Sunstein of the paper called Conspiracy Theory from 2008, which invented cognitive infiltration. So my point is just that these little subgroups that are emerging in the alternative thought world where you're never, ever, for some weird reason, ever hearing anything about it on Fox or CNN, like you're really not even... I mean, these are big movements, like millions of people are engaged in this. So it's obviously super siloed. And I feel like it's, uh, you know, divide and conquer. There's another thing that I think you probably, Tease, you can recognize from a mile away. The black pill is a total psyop. The black pill is there to derail you. I actually even think the like I, it's in there is a Catholic book called The Benedict Option. And it's and I I haven't read it yet, but I whatever the concept I'm worried about, I think is in there, which is totally disconnecting from the world. So I love that. Like it, I mean, I would rather like really concentrate on fermenting foods than reading the newspaper every day. That's what I'd really love to do. But I, I feel like it's not, I have, I, you know, I just haven't, uh, uh, 
uh, you know, the impulse to to connect with people and uh, call, sound the alarm on things that are happening, try to work together, try to be good together, to support each other. Like, I feel this sense of community and obligation to my kids. But if you make the choice to just make sauerkraut all day, like, good for you. That's great. But don't think that you are saving the world for your kids if you're doing that. Like, I mean, I think it's going to be hard to defend Homestead after Homestead. I think we have to stay connected. So I think that's another thing that alt media can lend itself to. Like, um, I think one of the things, and then I'll stop like my rant, but what, another thing is like, I feel like the anti-vax people, you know, if you want to call them anti-vax, whatever, but the vax ostracism that was in the works was kind of going to be like draft dodgers where you just became disconnected. You just went to Canada. If you saw the truth about the Vietnam War, you were like exiled to Canada or you fell for the acid trip that would like um, decommission you from a political standpoint. I feel like the whole vax thing was meant to do that. I don't think it really succeeded. Not enough people fell for it. But I just I feel like there are a lot of hidden traps in some of the solutions. And yeah, I mean, I think you just have to if anything is against your instinct. Don't, you know, don't sell everything and buy exclusively Bitcoin, you know, like don't let people tell you to do that. Yeah. No, yeah I, I think sorry. that anybody that's trying to sell you certainty on any aspect of this is, is trying to take your money. You know what I mean? I think the, and that's from all angles, whether it's alt media, politics, industry, whatever, doesn't matter. If they're trying to sell you certainty, uh, it, it's it's a load of horseshit. There's too many variables at this point. And the fear, the fear is a, is a it debilitates people. But if yeah. you think about the entire landscape, is basically us pandering to probabilities, as in prophecy. Because if you think about probability, probability and prophecy, one is just like a materialist way of framing the other, but they're the same damn thing. And that's why anytime we get together, where it's like, what do you think is going to happen? What's going to happen right. next? What's going to happen? Yeah. What's the certainty that we're all going to buy into? What's the basis by which we make that contention? And then you look at the Jesuit model, and it's really just a coax us into making enough of, of an emotional investment in anything, where it then becomes the belief structure that we reactively fight against one another from. So that's sort of like, what I see, it's like we're so deeply entrenched and siloed and like you give the that Christian movement as an example of that happening. But then storytelling is itself a definitive capsule that's put on everything. So it's like the story that then determines the emotion of everybody is the most tightly guarded and safeguarded commodity. I was just I wish I had it at my fingertips. I was just reading a book by Guido Preparata, who is a guy. If you can talk to him, he's super cool. He I interviewed him recently and. He's super cool and uh, super smart. And he was uh, worked at the Pontifical University at the Vatican, which is like a Jesuit institution. But this guy is, he's, uh, you know, I would say like 10, 10 years ago, I would have said woke AF, but he's awake <laughs> AF. And uh, in his book, Phantasmagoria, about the, how preposterous the 9-11 story is, the Osama bin Laden story, all that stuff. There's a quote in there that he has from, a, I guess, a State Department guy under one of the Bushes, H.W., I guess. No, G W., the junior. And he said, look, we he's it's a press conference and he's saying, look, you guys are getting it all wrong. We're creating reality and you're just figuring out what we just did. Like there's that's no Carl Rove. That's Carl Rove. Was that Carl Rove? That's yeah, Carl, Carl Rove. Rove saying that yeah. we're an empire now. We create yeah. the reality. Oh, I yeah. didn't. That was a totally new quote to me. Oh, absolutely. I didn't even, George yeah. Bush said, uh, if you don't believe what we tell you, we'll kill you. 
He, yes, yeah, yes, yes. And then another thing he said in a clip I was watching, where did I see it about going over and over? He's like, I have to say the same thing 10 times because that's how I get the propaganda over the top, you know? And it's like, okay. But yeah, that Karl Rove thing. And I mean, I thought it was so, it, it was so enlightening because it is true that you're, you're really, you're just, it's kind of like um, what I, I didn't like when Bernanke, okay. So Bernanke had a 2008 crisis financial crisis. And he did terrible things. He did helicopter money, blah, 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 which is why we have inflation right now. Was to- he kicked that can 20 years. Like he's totally divorced from it. And I said at the time, this guy's job, and he will be hailed for it, whether it works or not, which it will not work, is to, is to manifest the existing paradigm, is just to make sure that the paradigm is reinforced and I mean, I, I don't know if he actually got the Nobel Prize or I was joking like this guy's going to get the Nobel Prize for fucking <laughs> ruining, you know, putting the last nail in the coffin because it doesn't matter if he's right or not. It's just the paradigm. And that's how I think that reality and, you know, it's a kind of, a, you know, it's kind of a waste of time, but there's also a lot of information in seeing what they're doing. That's a really great example. And I think that's a perfect illustration of how it works. They'll do these kind of major tsunami moves long prior to the point of it actually striking us and then we're so hit by it that we can't reverse engineer those uh pressure points that were struck to create the paradigm that we then exist inside yeah i another thought another one that i think if i understand what you're saying that i noticed was when ronald reagan took office and um, was it inflation was through the roof or whatever? Volcker had was jacking up interest rates to like 17%, something crazy. And um that was I don't even think that was 20, I don't even think it was 10 years after they closed the gold window for good after Nixon. So in in my opinion, that whole thing, I mean, I didn't really study it, but my gut tells me that closing the gold window opened the door to that stagflation and all that stuff. And yeah. Volcker and Reagan. Instead of restoring the gold standard, they jacked up interest rates and kind of saved the the dead gold standard, the dead the fiat standard without gold. And that and they're they're made heroes for that because now we live in a post gold world. Yeah. So Nixon shock was either seventy one or seventy two, and I then Reagan was, was yeah. yeah. So you're and that right, thing was eighty one because Volcker was yeah. Carter's guy. No, so but even then, respectively, if you get into the notion of gold as a currency, yeah, it's something that it's like a rare based commodity. And so because it's rare, we regard it as if it's intrinsically worthwhile. But if we're in any kind of scarcity, what the fuck are you going to do with it? Build a house. It's like you can use it to, to uh, in a technical application. It's an abstraction, but it has yeah, a yeah. lot of qualities that make it the perfect abstraction. Right. So that's fucking perfect. The idea that this is an abstraction added to an abstraction, added to an abstraction until eventually you're just with no direction and you exist in, I don't know, either real space or fake space, but there ain't no air there. And and that's that's how they get us there. And I think that's their weakness is that I believe, I, I heard somebody say like these, some people are soulless, they have no souls. And I don't believe that. I, I Whether there are souls or no souls, I don't think some people don't have them. So I'm going with there are souls. I'm just, that's the life I'm living, that there are souls. And that, um, but those people, they have souls, but I don't think they recognize them. They don't acknowledge that they have them because 
that would mean they, you know, their Luciferianism would doom them to hell. And I think because they don't recognize that they have them, they don't realize that we have them. And that I feel like, and I say this about Down syndrome, because I have a son who has Down syndrome, it's like, you can abort every Down syndrome kid, but they will never stop coming. Because that's not a cure. It's not eradication. You're always going to have them. They're always going to pop up. And I feel that way about like freedom and human nature. It's always going to pop up. They're not. I mean, I do worry about like mRNA, you know, DNA penetrating bio weapons. Like, I think that's the end times if it's really that bad. But but I think that our hope is that they bring us into the soulless vacuum, but they don't realize that we have souls. So from an anthroposophical or theosophical model, they comment on the exact same thing. Everyone does have a soul, but they look at it as something that you are actively working on the expression and refinement of. And if you're not, then you're basically additionally susceptible to entity possession. So it would make less of a soul and more of a vessel. And that's what we're arguably looking at. They're trying to turn everyone into the vessel for that which they're hoping to incarnate or bring into being. I was reading The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis many years ago, and that is about, I think, I don't know if it's an obscure, I, I you know, I don't see it laying around people's houses, but it's, uh, it sounds like it's about divorce. It's about death, the divorce between the soul and the body. So this woman who was married to like a crotchety asshole, she, he dies first and she's, she dies and she goes to the river or whatever, where you cross over and she sees him coming to meet her, but he's got, he's really far away and uh, he's a lot skinnier than he used to be. And he has a monkey with him, a little weird monkey on a leash. So the, so that as he gets closer and closer and closer with this monkey, she sees that he is the monkey and that, that husk was, was what she thought was him but it was really his atrophied soul. He was hopeless, basically. But I think of that as what you're saying. It's like you're more capable of possession. That The soul then becomes your tool if you don't nourish it. And whatever that means for different people. I mean, the Catholic stuff, which I, you know, live by is very, you know, it's very black and white written down on a piece of paper. And I know a lot of people have deeper you know, sense than I do of that, like a more innate sense of what it is to nourish a soul. But I, I think the first step is to try. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting metaphor. And so you can look at like the the existence of the realm that we're in is sort of like the convergence between the bestial and the angelic. It is the demonic on the lower side of it. And then there's what we're hoping to ascend to. And the more in which they're able to trick us into um, not just relinquishing our humanity but celebrating its degradation the more in which we find ourselves in a timeline more emblematic of uh the demonic and that's what we're all continually gravitating towards and we're all like yo there's something really fucking wrong with this but then we're being gaslit about it at the same time the alternative media seemingly exists in a way and it's representing the most important paradigms but then a lot of the people who you like valued or, or trusted just continue to like reveal themselves over and over again So I find it's like it's an incredibly small number of people who are weathering those storms in a continuity of the soul that they have formed rather than just either suddenly becoming a vessel or uh, at all times having been no more than that. You know, it's it's just a really weird situation that we're in. You know, I'm beginning to think I know this sounds simplistic, but I'm beginning to think that 
consumerism alone, or actually in this Guido book, it's productionism. It's not consumerism. It's productionism. That's the real problem. It's this engagement, this constant like economic activity and the productionism. So it made sense that it was productionism because that war and COVID, what did COVID do? It stopped production to burn out all the inventory. And recessions do that. It stops structure to burn out the inventory. War. Look at what they're doing to Gaza. Like, I honestly believe they're just leveling it. And the rebuilds will be sponsored by, like, Disney and Hilton and Halliburton. And that's what it is. It's just destruction. It's almost like it's beyond the spiritual war. And it's just a war for getting us to expend our human energy producing and having no surplus behind. So from a Christian perspective, isn't the labor that we do supposed to be like the the physical manifestation of our love and sharing that and showing that for each other? I think the Protestant and the Catholic thing are very different. And I definitely have a Protestant work ethic. And I had a priest send me a book like on libertarianism and Catholicism. And I'm I'm not sure that uh, we're supposed to exalt that. And I think there have been aberrations in Catholicism where they try to get people to um, like I think Franco uh, was trying to get the Spanish guys to work more and the wives to like work out more <laughs> and try to get them to be motivated by earthly things because they were sitting around drinking their wine and like watching their sheep fuck or whatever. And they were just like, like yeah, it's pretty good. Man. Yeah, this what is are you great. fucking yelling about? <laughs> no chemtrails, man. Like I'm digging it. <laughs> So, and I think that's where it's at. And that's a Catholic thing. Like the Spanish Italian stuff is the Catholic thing. We're like, no, man, we're comfy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. So behind all of this, it really just comes down to the question of why. So like, if you get into like, okay, so it is um, the consumerism, which is the thing that's at the end of our productivity, but that which precedes our productivity is why are we producing it? Why are we doing it? And so that's that's the thing that would be at the core of all of it is what is the motivation by which you go about choosing your actions in any number of different ways? Fear so, of deprivation in my case. Yeah. Oh, no, I would agree. I think that's where they've kept everybody is that their answer for yeah. why is because I'm fucking afraid and I don't feel like there's any other choice. Yeah, almost there's nobody something. can accumulate intergenerational wealth. For what reason? It makes no sense. Build, build. I was in London when the first time I ever went to England, I was kind of young. And I noticed the houses have these little cornerstones that'll say stuff like 1641, like houses regular people are living in. I'm like, oh, so you could just build the same house once? And live in it for 500 years? Like, if it's the same family, that person needs to do nothing but keep chickens. You know what I mean? Like, why do we keep wrecking things and building them up again? And yeah, so that fear of deprivation is at the core. Like, that's that they have to make sure that that happens all the time. They have to destroy. They have to destroy. Because I think we would have produced enough to not have to work that hard. Yeah. Mortgage means death pledge. They have to use a different word for it in France because. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a contract so of death. <laughs> yeah, that's what mine feels like. But money is a fictional concept a construct that we created as a representation for something which is actually more of just a force in nature which is are you loving 
and presenting that to other people to the betterment of everyone and yourself. And so what money's very existence does is it mitigates or diminishes that raw force of our expression uh, and it turns it into a commodity instead. And a and commodity, you're good. Yeah, it's a measure of where you are in the hierarchy. Yeah. So yeah. that's why it's so, and then you have like, they use it for power, for sex, for, but domination. Yeah. And so that's arguably just the, that that's yeah. the force of mammon. And Can't so that's when you get into money, the yeah. occult esoteric perspective looking at it as everything comes from that and then we sort of just point at it and say no that is this like we look at a tree is that what a tree is because if you remove it from the soil it's driftwood you know so like our conception of things isn't actually the reality of them and it doesn't speak to how they emerge or come into being so is it all about money yes but what is money that's ultimately just that force that that deprives everybody it's the the quote is like the love of money is the root of all evil, but I almost wonder if it's money that's the root of all evil. Like the fact that we've abstracted everything like that's great. I mean, it's yeah. helpful to have that, but was it worth it? It's kind of like when you read Kaczynski and or I was reading some analysis of Kaczynski. I think it was um, Bellamy Fitzpatrick, uh, Green Anarchist, was saying some people want to take it back to like we should shouldn't even have fire. <laughs> you know that like. That we went wrong when we got fire. So although our bodies could not live without fire, that's why we don't have huge bellies like chimps is because we cook our food. So we don't need to like digest it in its raw form, which I think is interesting. But anyway, so yes. So the whole money as a tech in itself, like that's a question, like how far back do you want to go to not be tech? And I mean, I'm not going further back than right. No, this, the way. house I'm living in because it yeah. has toilets. So that's the thing. So if you get into the grammar logic rhetoric of the trivium, you can really just think of all those different things as operating systems. And then that's the installing of an operating system so that you're only able to operate based on that system. Yes. And I actually think that I've always said this, like I can, and the opening line of one, I think it's Dostoevsky, is it the idiot or something? I don't know. That says, man is a creature who can get used to anything. And I feel that's the very best way to define him. I've always thought I can handle anything like I can handle having no electricity, but not. Not all of a sudden, (laughs) like I'm addicted to electricity. So if you cut it out, I'm going to have a problem, but I can do anything. I could live without it, but not today. So I'm used to this operating system and it's terrifying. Now, historically, and I think it's flipping, the Republicans or over the past 40 years, when the evangelicals started getting involved in politics by some weird coincidence, I'm not saying it's on purpose, but the Republican listeners that I had on the radio, I, you know, the only problem they had with Ron Paul was his foreign policy of peace. These are Christians. He got booed at a Christian university for yeah. saying, let's have the golden rule. And and that's this that's this idea. These are people who think that these problems, which they can't even articulate, that the only answer is violence and death. And of There's, course, it's not true. The, well, that's the the Ralph Reed uh, stamp on American politics, and to a large degree in the American evangelical church and a number of denominations that flow from that more evangelical going into. Um, you know, 
like super revival type, and uh, on the other end, the uh, the uh, end days types. You know, from revival to rapture, yeah, that's and all the evangelical points in between. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, the only the only glimpse I ever got into that was when Sarah Palin was running for vice president, and I would have thought she was a culture of life person because her first son, she was knocked up before she got married, candidate for abortion. Her last had Down syndrome, candidate for abortion. While she was on the road, her first grandson. Her daughter was knocked up, candidate for abortion, and she chose life in every one of those cases. And then I saw a clip from her, which totally presaged everything that we've seen from her since, of her on a on an altar, like uh, I wouldn't say pulpit, I don't know what you call it, but just like an altar in a church, saying, I guess it was an Iraq war or something, this war is from God. They this all say that. This war is yeah. from God. God and yeah. I was like, is that, is God that makes based people on Israel nuts. or is Ukraine from God? Like that's the left, I guess. But you know, I don't get it. But it is it is a culture of death from top to bottom. God makes people. No, you, crazy. you get it perfectly. That that sign that the, what you just said, it's a culture of death. That's the God that they worship. That's the thing that they've been. Those are the into. desert gods. The desert yeah. gods are very, very, very thirsty. Oh. And in, in yeah. an absence of rain, it's blood. They're, they'll drink. So is this an blood. archetype or you think it's really. Well, it's, it's all desert lurking in the shadows. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally. So the axiomatic divide uh, in existence is basically freedom and slavery. And if you get into that which enslaves people, it gradually degrades people until eventually they become a part of the machine. And they are required to enter into that state of being in order to create the machine. So it's a sequential iterative process of building kind of tiny little slivers of us until we become the bricks in the wall. And only then can then they create the systems that we exist into a point of pacification that we've reached in the contemporary. So this is stuff when you go back into ancient history, they have to do all these tiny little incremental leans, but that's not because we're creating it. It's because it's already something that exists that's reaching out of the abyss to try and pull us in. That's how this works. So the, um, there was a clip by Obama where he was saying, you know, you've like destroyed the country when in the town square there are competing conspiracy theories and it doesn't matter if anybody believes them or not. And I think he was su suggesting that Russia was doing that to us instead of him doing that to us. But is that I mean, could that be folding into what you're saying that like it doesn't matter if you believe it, it just matters if you spend energy on it? I need more. Yeah, so it's it's kind of both and all of it at the same time because like you look at the the anglo-american establishment provoking the bolshevik revolution as the pretense for creating the cold war which then fold back by yuri bezmanov defecting and saying we're going to demoralize you more it really is just one big circle of backdoors and so that's how the whole system is worked it's kind of just like a calibrated interplay on behalf of the ideological underpinnings that actually orchestrate things on the superficial bureaucratic level so it's yes, it is all of that. But deeper than that, it's like it's it's your existence about are you derived from a monkey or are you the uh, angelic embodiment of a spirit walking around in something that looks like a monkey suit? 
And then it's the words that we use to describe those things, the inferences and associations that we have because of them. You can look at the last 70 years of seeding the dialogue surrounding uh, UFOs, which prior to that wasn't really a thing. And it was regarded as angelic or demonic entities, as astral projection. So that's removing our investment from spiritual participation to then basically just allow that to be the outsourcing of information as it's projected to us from the powers that shouldn't be. And so it's, it's literally every different dynamic of our being is what choice do you make about what you entertain as your belief versus what have you heard so much that you think it, and because you think it, you think that it's your thought, but it's not. It's just uh. something that's suggested to you enough where you'll invest. See, that's where you get into where I think this idea, I never read the, anything about it, but there are books out there, kind of Murray Rothbard type stuff, even uh, about the natural elite, a natural elite. And I think Hoppe is into that now. The idea, so my, what you're saying makes me think that there is a, some people who are capable of thought and some people who are highly susceptible to that repetition like i don't understand why i can think when all the water i've ever drunk is full of fluoride you know i just don't understand so i i just wonder if it's it is it's that i think it was was it Aldous huxley or i don't know one of those guys or his brother that said i can get like a quarter of the people i will never convince a quarter of the people are super easy but it's that 50 percent in the middle that we have to do propaganda for Something mm -hmm. like that. So that's, so, that, yeah. or Da Vinci said it the same. There are those who can see, those uh, who can see when shown, and those who do not see. So it's, when, it's a lineage mm -hmm. of passing mm -hmm. that same basic mm -hmm. premise. Yeah. That was the the underpinning for Leni Riefenstahl uh, and the Nazi propaganda was that you needed to hit the submissive void. It had nothing to do with any brilliance in script, had nothing to do with any accuracy in message. All you had to do was hit the submissive void with it enough times and have the intelligentsia repeat it. Yeah, that's that the is formula. what's happening right now. I mean, that's all I've ever seen. And you can get people to believe whatever you want them to believe. And in the the inverse of that is the 75 years of propaganda post-World War II that we've all been subjected to that only recently because people have been forced to watch snuff film after snuff film mm -hmm. on social media as Israel live streams a genocide, have they gone... Maybe we ought to look a little bit closer. And but then they hijacked that side. That was my problem with the, that's why I got in trouble on Twitter. I was like, we put every, anybody who thinks critically about a single issue has immediately to be pigeonholed into either the basket of irrationals or the basket of deplorables. Like, and, and you, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to comply yeah. with that. Yeah. I'm not going to comply with that, you know, I, and that's why we don't get invited on either of those like mainstream avenues, because we're, we're you know, any of us are, are going to have a different take than somebody who's just one or the other. And there's you can't participate in that. You have to throw your own parties. Yeah, I mean, how do you, 
how do you get, you know, I, I'm beginning to give up on, my sister used to have a bumper sticker that said, I feel so much better since I gave up hope. And giving up hope sounds like a black pill thing, but it's like the serenity prayer. Like you just have to accept the things that you, that you can't change. And I don't know. And that, that was another insight I had with my mom as like her kids were coming in and out and she has this new great granddaughter who's like 95 years younger than she is. And she's holding this baby. So no, hundred years from now, that girl's going to have a picture of her with her grandmother who was born, you know, 200 years before that. And I was thinking that you don't, you know, the hope is not in changing the power structure. I don't, I don't have hope of doing that personally. I don't even have a ton of hope of convincing my neighbors. You know, I can connect with neighbors who already believe the same kind of things that I believe, but I think that there's a tremendous amount of hope in raising your children well, and nieces and nephews included, and just giving, making sure they understand how to think and just being there for them if they do want to come back. Because think of all the millions and millions and millions of people who are just good people with morals who would recoil at some of at the culture of death, whatever. And if they, if they could just keep connected to their own children and their nieces and nephews and stuff, I think, I think that is the white pill, but I've given up on, you know, really trying to strategize. But the only reason I went there is like, you're saying we're, we're not going to be invited to the big platform or there are only some of us can even think much less be the thinker and the activist and get anywhere that you aren't just taken out. I don't have a lot of hope for the, for that, for up, but I have a lot of hope for down. Well, isn't that just intuitively gravitating towards kind of the strength that I was alluding to with like your raw femininity and what that can provide to the hope that you're most invested in, which would be family. And like, because if you think about women's, they aren't just clocks in the sense of how we would think of it. They're the season. They're the cycles. They're they're like the eggs that is in the grandmother is in uh, the daughter is in her child as well. So they extend throughout time. So if that's naturally where your hope and is intuitively gravitating towards, then you it's like you're planting the seeds for the future with that kind of investment. And then maybe that's stepping back from something that you don't feel you would be best suited towards, which it's like, hey, men, you go out there and do that shit. I'm going to yeah, step totally. back. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But I'm a, I try to tell my son. So my daughter, you know, having a teen girl and a teen boy is a very different experience. So I try to tell my son, hey, man, she's a human being factory. Like you can't be, you can't expect more from a person than to be able to create human beings. Like God had to make a decision of like what hormones he was going to put in that body. And it isn't play video games for 15 hours straight. It's like grow ovaries. And like <laughs> we just need to, you know, like that, this idea that, that, uh, what you're saying, maybe there is some connection between the fact that I literally consider myself, you know, my my purpose in life was to be a human being factory. Of course, that's what I think is the most important thing to do and the most important thing to see through to the finish line. That's an interesting connection. I didn't think of that. No, I'm literally saying that they are trying to take that away from women so that the archetype and you can think of that as like a trad wife kind of thing. The idea that Literally just stay at home, support your husband, support your family, bring human beings into the world, nurture and love them. That is your greatest responsibility. And your parents. And there's oh, so yeah. much one person needs to do. You, Everybody needs to have a woman, even if the woman at home is a guy, 
Like, you know, like even if the man, you know, now that 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 guys can't get promoted, you know, like, okay, if the if the mom has to go, somebody needs to be at home to nurture. Yeah. Everyone up and yeah. down and keep things clean and healthy. I know I am. I'm going off the deep end here. I will end on this note. And I think Tease may have an insight into it. I, or whatever, he's going to like to hear this as a what to watch out for. Sorry, Chris, I'm, but everyone can enjoy it. I, in thinking about the evolution of morality, of morals, I wonder if it will start being a, a moral thing to impregnate somebody before you get married because of their maybe post-vax, there'll be a fertility bust in women and it wouldn't really be right, you know, like if you wanted to get married and have kids, you'd have to kind of test the merchandise. Is that a totally offensive, weird thing to say? You know what I'm saying? Like, so now you, it's a scandal to get pregnant before you get married. Barely, right. barely. I, but like, I, it would be the norm is my prediction. It's taboo basically right. with the getting yeah. married. Yeah. Okay. So from or a predictive, from a predictive programming standpoint, the book Children of Men, it was. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. I love that. In, yes. in the film, it was the women who couldn't get pregnant. In the book, it was the men who couldn't get them pregnant. So if you look at it, oh. it's a different kind of telling of the story. If you look at the Handmaiden's Tale of the idea of yes. basically stepping forward and the government or authoritarianism being the determinant of human population. Oh, that's of another, course. That's another uh, sample of, of that. Of course, it's but, for IVF. It's right. not going to so, be. Yeah. So but then there's the other side of it, which is that we are going into a, a, a population crunch that it is going to like exponentially not exponentially. Uh, significantly declined to a point where the official policies of bureaucrats are going to have to make procreation and reproduction their top priority. Now, here's yeah. the catch on that. Definitely. If you look at the esoteric, it talks about a woman's womb as being the forge of the soul. To, for someone to have a soul, they have to come out of a natural womb. Now, you can look at the other side of that where they're like, okay, but what if you're able to get what's the equivalent of a, an automaton? Someone who is basically an empty vessel who's able to be brought into being by a technological means. So that's when you get into the entire oh, spiritual dynamic. It's like, are we bringing people here? Do they have souls? How refined are they in the culture that they're groomed in? What technological interventions are put forward? What bureaucratic institutions preside over that, which are all ultimately in line with the death cult that we've mentioned? So you're exactly right. That is the concerted agenda, and that is the direction. Well, okay. I did. I wasn't thinking of all of that. I just thought people would knock up their fiancés in advance. But maybe that'll be the... So actually, it does dovetail with what I was thinking, which was that it would be the religious people who did it. It'll be pretty much everyone. The question is, are you doing it for God or are you doing it because you get UBI? You know, because you can look at Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Russia. Oh, already, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Russia's already done this. They've offered incentives for people who yes. are willing to bring a child to term. But the thing yes. is, is they'll just go in and cash in the kid, take the money, and then it ends up an orphan on the street as an oh. as a young adult. So the, the, the government incentives don't replace the care that those people lack. They just take the money and run. Yeah. And that's, that's what yeah. the system has been built to do to everyone. 
See, I feel like the demographic bust in Europe was because of their extremely high cost of living and tax rate and stuff. I've often thought that, that Europe had a lower birth rate than the U.S. because it was just so much more expensive to live. So you just need to have a better society and people will have more kids. But I, I just fear the fertility bust from the vax because wasn't there a lot well, of evidence maybe. that women were affected by it in that way? Yeah, everyone. It's surreal. It's but like it, the spike protein is replacing sperm for men. And it's also one out of three or uh, women had some issue, whether small or large, with their menstrual cycle. as a, as Yes. A and then stevia, stevia, I believe, is used to sterilize women in some countries. Ugh. Monk. And like Elon Musk pointed out, you know, like uh, talking about having a uh, better life or even being in a higher class or whatever and having more kids it's the opposite like the higher class doesn't have the more kids yes it's the poor yes and the low i class know that has the, has the kids i know uh, but i'm waiting for a comeback on that <laughs> i think it's, it's hard it gets in around. it gets in it gets into gets in the way of the money like I know, but the, oh, oh, the heredity, yeah. Having but, kids, you know, they get in the way of uh, your success oh, what else of are you money. Do? And, it's so fun. No, no that's, that's the, the mindset of the city and how that's impregnated us. If you look at rural communities, yes. it's more built around the idea of your children are free labor. So they don't get yeah. in the way of things going We better. waited to have our second. So we had a free babysitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a joke. <laughs> Great, great chat, and Monica. Please pimp all of your links. Oh, thank you. Well, I was trying to hit 2024 with a new daily news show. A little, not as robust as this one, just a little half hour a day. I was very excited because I got my feedback from WSB so I can be the Monica Perez show again. Um, but I'm putting that on hold so that I can be available for my moms. So I'm still doing interviews at monicasdeepdives.com or in your favorite podcasting platform. And I post everything, of course, on rockfin.com slash deep dives. Anyway, so super fun talking to you guys. I feel like so energized. You do it in the morning right after the coffee and uh, you get a lot more bang for the buck. Heck yeah. All right. Heck until yeah. next time, guys. Thanks for everything. Take care, Monica. Thank you very much for being generous with your time. I hope you have an awesome day. You too, guys.